chapter seven of wild bird guests by ernest baines this librivox recording is in the public domain the entertainment of wild birds in winter if we are lovers of birds and who would like to admit that he is not one that fact alone should be sufficient to ensure our feeding them in winter for it is not conceivable that we would allow those whom we love to run the risk of starving to death if by any reasonable effort we could prevent it in spite of all we can do many birds will die of starvation almost every winter but the more of us there are who will give even a little thought go to even a little trouble for their welfare the fewer deaths there will be looking at the matter merely from the standpoint of our own pleasure we shall soon learn that by feeding the birds regularly we shall make a lot of new friends and that with a little patience and a little ingenuity sometimes we may soon be on terms of the most delightful intimacy with them at our home we are continually having unique and interesting experiences with the birds which accept our hospitality we had one only this morning september nineteen nineteen fourteen a little band of chickadees came into our lilac bushes and thence flew down to a bird-bath made from a huge shell and took their baths mrs baines went out and called them and two of them alighted upon her at once one was dingy in colour and somewhat dishevelled and looked as though it might have just finished a very tedious nesting season the other looked very clean and fresh and by its voice alone we knew it to be a young one on the left leg of the dingy one was a tiny aluminum band and as the bird preened its feathers we could read on this band the number instantly we knew her for an old friend of ours year before last she nested in a burlepsh nest box in our garden and was so tame doubtless because we had fed her the winter before that she came straight from the nest to mrs bain's hand for nut meat on one occasion i went up a ladder to the nest box and this bird alighted at the entrance hole she was so fearless that i put my hand gently over her and placed the little band upon her leg that was over two years ago and here she was back again fearless as ever and with the young one very likely one of her own some of us feed the birds all the year round because we like to see them about moreover they are more likely to nest in or near the garden if they are in the habit of coming there for food every day and we believe that if it does cost us a few pennies for seed and suet it pays in more ways than one as a rule no matter how much food is put out the birds seem to regard it simply as a reserve supply and continue to get nine-tenths of their living in the usual way purple finches are notable exceptions to this rule it has been my experience that they absolutely refuse to work as long as they are well supplied with seed but then the male purple finch is a splendid singer and has a long period of song and perhaps he should be excused from further work on the ground that he is an artist but the birds actually need food only when for some reason their natural supply is not to be had this is often the case in winter especially after heavy snowstorms at such times let us pay no attention to the wiseacres who tell us that we are pauperizing the birds they might just as well argue against supplying food to starving men let us save the lives of a few thousand birds and then if any one finds that we have made a mistake in doing this we'll stand the consequences perhaps no branch of bird-feeding work is more in need of consideration at this time 
than that which provides for the great army of game birds and others which struggle along as best they can in the woods and fields it would seem to be the duty of the people in every town where deep snows prevail in winter to see that their own birds are provided for and not allowed to starve and it has been my experience that nice people of all classes are of just one mind on this subject the only question which should be raised at such a time is how shall we do it if there is a really live efficient bird club in the town it will answer this question promptly and if there are boy scouts in the neighborhood of course they will cooperate with enthusiasm if there is no such club then one should be organized as soon as possible and in the meantime i will suggest a plan which has proved successful in several different towns and which may help until a better one is thought out first of all two or three enthusiasts call a meeting of all those interested in the welfare of the wild birds this is done through the local paper if there is one or through the school children or both or in any other way which may be convenient a special effort is made to have this meeting attended by the superintendent of schools and as many principals teachers and ministers as possible this tends to impress the school children and others with the dignity and importance of the work and has a good general effect the necessity for feeding the birds in winter is explained very carefully and then a few committees are appointed to arrange details one committee devotes itself to obtaining bird food and money to buy food and sometimes calls to its assistance such available outsiders as may be able to help there are very few people in any american town who will refuse to help such work along in one way or another if the matter is brought directly to their attention in a proper way it is usually possible to approach many people personally but in any case the school children can be urged to explain the matter to their parents and local papers are usually very willing to make known the needs of the committee local grocers butchers and grain dealers i have found to be among the most generous contributors and often after they have given all they can afford they will sell to the bird feeders a considerable amount of food at cost in the meantime another committee is busy getting the names of volunteers to distribute the food in the woods and fields here let me say that this work is not as a rule suitable for small children girls or women it should be done by strong healthy boys and by such men as can afford or will make the time it has been my experience that no better workers can be found than the boys from the high schools and the upper grades of the grammar schools this is especially true if they belong to the boy scouts as a rule their work should be superintended by some older person in whom they have confidence but whoever the workers are they should have the support of the entire community they are engaged in a public work of great value the coming of the first real snowstorm is considered the signal for the beginning of operations the volunteers meet at some convenient building as the high school or the town hall where the bird food has previously been stored and if they are wise they come dressed for work in the snow the country in and about the town is divided into sections and a squad varying in size with the number of volunteers and the amount of territory to be covered is sent to each section usually a squad consists of two three or four boys who may or may not have an older person as leader each squad should be provided with snow shovels to remove the snow or better snowshoes to trample it down hard they should also have a bag or basket to carry a mixture of grain and bird seed a quantity of fat meat or suet and plenty of string with which to tie it to the trunks and branches of the trees the suet or other fat which is of course intended chiefly for the insectivorous birds is displayed in conspicuous places on the branches of trees and the string is wound round and round so as to form a sort of net 
which prevents the food from falling to the ground even after it has been grown beautifully smaller under the attacks of hungry birds this network of string also prevents a crow or a blue jay from carrying off the whole lump at once it has been found wise to use three or four separate pieces of string so that if a squirrel comes along and cuts one of them the suet being held by the others will not fall to the ground another way to prevent troubles of this kind is to flatten out a large lump of suet against a tree trunk and fasten over it with staples a square foot of half-inch wire netting if the upper edge is fastened rather lightly this netting may be made to form a pocket which may be opened and stuffed with more suet as occasion requires here any hungry bird can get a meal on the spot but no selfish one can leave his fellows in distress by carrying home the whole feast as a rule the best places to distribute grain seed etc are in the middle of wide open fields and pastures which can be seen for a considerable distance by birds flying over on reaching such a spot the members of the squad fall to with their shovels or snowshoes and clear or trample a space from ten to twenty feet square if the food were thrown on untrodden snow it would be likely to sink in at the first thaw and then it would be quite out of the reach of most of the hungry ones after scattering a quantity of grain the squad moves on perhaps half a mile and repeats the operation establishing as many feeding stations as possible in its own section during the time at its disposal of course it may be somewhat disheartening to find that seed scattered during the afternoon is covered up by snow next morning as sometimes happens but boys with the right stuff in them will not be discouraged but will stand up to their work until it is finished the high school boys of stoneham massachusetts were among the first to show that no amount of snow could discourage bird feeders who had the proper spirit and in the unusually severe winter of nineteen o three to nineteen o four they got out with their snow shovels and grain and suet after every storm and established and maintained a chain of seventy-five feeding stations around their town so that no intelligent bird could get either in or out without taking a meal if he wanted one these boys fed thousands of hungry birds that winter and made their school famous by their splendid work they saved a few of the very few flocks of massachusetts quail which survived that winter if all the high schools in the state had been organized for this work the death of unnumbered bob whites would have been prevented every farmer should make a point of keeping the birds in his fields and woodland supplied with food during bad weather for as we have seen he is amongst those most greatly benefited by the presence of birds besides he generally has on hand plenty of food in the shape of wheat oats etc which can be offered whole to the large birds and ground to the small ones country doctors rural postmen and others who have to take long drives through the country in winter can perform valuable service by distributing food at likely spots or by reporting to the regular bird feeders coveys of quail or signs of coveys seen or heard of at points along route snowshoeing skiing sleighing parties and others out for pleasure during the winter may well assist in this work by establishing a feeding station here and there and if they are thoughtful people the thought that they have done a kindly and useful act will tend to increase their pleasure and will greatly add to their store of pleasant memories by working together in this way the people of each town and village and hamlet can take care of its own birds and the result will be a marked increase in their numbers without very much trouble or expense to any one person but it is the feeding of the birds in the home grounds in the gardens and orchards that appeals to the greatest number of people here is a work in which almost every one little children and elderly people included can take an active part and here as a rule will begin those strong friendships for birds which will make the stanch bird protectors of the future 
here will come many of those delightful experiences with birds which will be among the purest delights of childhood which will surely be looked forward to and repeated with pleasure and satisfaction as the years go by and which we can never grow too old to enjoy unless we are among the few who feed the birds all the year round we should begin to prepare rather early for the winter work even before the first frosts begin to suggest the coming of colder weather we may order from the butcher a few pounds of suet or fat fresh pork and find out the best place to buy bird seed by buying seed at wholesale say one hundred pounds at a time it may be had at a very low price for example the meriden bird club buys its hemp seed at four cents a pound when the retail price per pound is ten cents we buy other seeds at equally low rates many people do not care to buy so much seed at once but if there is a bird club in town the club can buy it in large quantities and sell it to members at cost or if there is no club a few neighbors can club together order a hundred pounds or more sent to one address and then divide it afterwards hemp seed and japanese millet are among the best seeds to offer the birds in winter most of the seed-eating birds will eat one or both of these and chickadees and nuthatches chiefly insectivorous are very fond of hemp sunflower and canary seed are both eaten by a number of birds as are squash and pumpkin seeds corn oats wheat bread crumbs doughnut crumbs dog biscuit crumbs and the seeds to be found in barn floor sweepings nuts are a favorite food of chickadees nuthatches and some other birds but of course those with hard shells must be cracked before being served as a substitute for insect food there is nothing better than suet unless it be the mixture known as food stone the recipe for which i shall give farther on suet is easy to get and easy to handle many birds like it and eat it freely it is warmth producing and nourishing it keeps fresh for a long time and when it becomes rancid the birds seem to like it just as well as i look out of my window at this moment i can see a downy woodpecker feeding on suet which was put up about a year ago i give below a list by no means exhaustive of foods in general use for the winter feeding of wild birds with each kind of food will be found the names of at least some of the birds which have been seen eating it suet screech owl hairy woodpecker downy woodpecker red-bellied woodpecker flicker blue jay crow clarks nutcracker starling tree sparrow junco rose-breasted grosbeak myrtle warbler brown creeper white-breasted nuthatch red-breasted nuthatch chickadee hudsonian chickadee hermit thrush fat pork hairy woodpecker downy woodpecker blue jay crow white-breasted nuthatch tufted titmouse chickadee raw meat screech owl hairy woodpecker downy woodpecker blue jay white-breasted nuthatch chickadee hemp seed pine grosbeak purple finch red paul goldfinch pine siskin vesper sparrow white crowned sparrow white-throated sparrow junco song sparrow white-breasted nuthatch chickadee millet seed purple finch red paul goldfinch pine siskin vesper sparrow white-throated sparrow tree sparrow chipping sparrow junco song sparrow fox sparrow crack corn shore lark blue jay crow snow bunting lapland long spur tree sparrow junco cardinal grosbeak white-breasted nuthatch bread crumbs blue jay crow tree sparrow white crown sparrow junco cardinal grosbeak mockingbird brown creeper chickadee broken nuts blue jay white crown sparrow junco cardinal grosbeak white-breasted nuthatch red-breasted nuthatch tufted titmouse chickadee dog biscuit crumbs blue jay snow bunting tree sparrow junco white-breasted nuthatch chickadee sunflower seeds blue jay purple finch goldfinch white-breasted nuthatch chickadee chaff quail shore lark lapland longspur snow bunting tree sparrow oats quail rough grouse yellow-headed blackbird 
snow bunting chickadee whole corn blue jay crow white-breasted nuthatch chickadee canary seed goldfinch vesper sparrow junco song sparrow doughnut crumbs blue jay crow white-breasted nuthatch chickadee wheat quail ruffed grouse kaffir corn white-throated sparrow song sparrow broken squash seed white-breasted nuthatch chickadee salt salt water and mud impregnated with salt white-winged crossbill american crossbill the author is very well aware that the above lists are not complete either with regard to the kinds of food which the winter birds will eat or with regard to the kinds of birds which will eat the foods which are mentioned these lists can be made complete only as a result of the careful experiments of many observers working for a considerable period over a wide territory at present they are as complete as can be made from other records compiled by gilbert h trafton by the author himself and by other members of the meriden bird club they will enable the reader to make a fair start and he can then experiment for himself as much as time and inclination will permit in addition to food many birds will appreciate a little grit which is often hard to get in winter sand is best perhaps but coal ashes will do and a flock of crossbills which made us a long visit a year or two ago spent hours every day picking up particles of mortar which we obtained from some old bricks and pounded up with a hammer you might never have guessed how fond they were of this particular kind of grit had we not seen them swarming over a ruined building and discovered with the aid of a field-glass that apparently they were nibbling the mortar which held the bricks together we got some of this mortar pounded it up and scattered it on well-trampled snow in the garden and down came the crossbills not only that day but every day for weeks the flock usually arrived between half-past seven and eight o'clock in the morning and were engaged in eating mortar until between one and two in the afternoon when the greater part of them disappeared in the evergreen forest near by not to be seen again until the following morning they became very fearless coming to windows allowing us to walk about among them when they were feeding alighting freely on our hands and heads and even permitting us to pick them up one in each hand when sometimes i lay on the ground among them they would poke their heads into my sleeves and if my ulster was not tightly buttoned some of them would creep inside while they were in the garden they kept up an incessant musical twittering which added greatly to the pleasure they gave us but to return to our work there are certain appliances such as food-houses window-boxes food trolleys etc which it is very pleasant to have and which may be made at home or by local carpenters or which may be bought ready-made but if we cannot afford either the time to make them or the money to buy these things we can get along pretty well without them let us get out our food early the birds may not eat much of it at first but they will have a chance to find out where it is and be able to go directly to it when they really need it we might begin by putting out some suet i believe in having rather large pieces weighing say about a pound apiece at a few principal points and a number of smaller pieces scattered more widely in order to attract the attention of as many birds as possible and guide them to the larger lumps if our final object is to attract the birds to points near the house let us first select the side of the house to which we wish to bring them if we try to attract them to all sides we can probably do it but shall not have as many in any one place usually people like to have them come to points where they can be seen from the principal living-room suppose then that we decide on this plan let us look out of the window and see if we can find a tree say seventy-five or a hundred feet away to which we can tie one of our lumps of suet let us suppose that we see such a tree and that there is a well-exposed branch from eight to twelve feet from the ground we fix that branch in our minds and suet in hand we go out to the tree perhaps we can easily climb to the branch but if not we can get a ladder 
we should have three or four pieces of soft string of convenient length and with one of these tie the suet at just the place and in just the position we want it it is well to have it either on top of the branch or on the side of it if it is fastened underneath certain birds which like suet would find it hard to get at if it is fastened on the side of the branch of course it should be on the side nearer the house where it can be seen the other pieces of string should now be criss-crossed back and forth and should bite into the suet a little at each turn so that it may be left snug and tight the loose ends of the string may now be cut off and the deed is done next let us go to a tree safe from ten to twenty feet from the window and there we will tie a second piece of suet at about the height of the window itself a third piece we will tie either to the window-sill or to a stick or a board which may be fastened to the window-sill those three we will call our main suet stations smaller pieces of suet we will tie in trees and shrubs out in all directions from the house and further away from it these distant ones will probably be visited first and as the birds gain confidence they should come nearer and nearer until they come to the window itself to encourage those who may think it a difficult matter to gain the confidence of our feathered neighbours i give the following list of twenty-two kinds of birds which have come to feed at windows in the village of meriden new hampshire where we have been feeding for the past four years those marked with a star have visited our own window hairy woodpecker downy woodpecker ruby-throated hummingbird blue jay pine grosbeak purple finch white-winged crossbill red paw pine siskin vesper sparrow white-crowned sparrow white-throated sparrow tree sparrow chipping sparrow junco song sparrow myrtle warbler winter wren white-breasted nuthatch red-breasted nuthatch chickadee hudsonian chickadee this is probably the largest list for any one town or village the red-bellied woodpecker snow-bunting fox sparrow brown creeper and hermit thrush have also been known to feed at the windows of houses but they have never done so in meriden though we have them all here with the exception of the woodpecker if it becomes necessary to put out more suet during the intensely cold weather we shall find it a good plan to bring some short branches into the house and tie on the suet there in comfort then if we drive a couple of wire nails part way through each branch we can carry it out and quickly nail to any tree we like if we wish to go to just a little more expense we can make the suet pockets of half-inch wire netting and staple them to the trunks of trees instead of tying the suet itself to the branches the simplest way to feed the seed-eating birds is to scatter the food on the ground if there is soft deep snow the food should not be thrown upon it seed and most other foods quickly sink into soft snow and besides most birds do not like to flounder about in the snowdrifts in order to get a bite to eat the snow may be swept or shoveled away but personally i much prefer to trample it down it is not easy even with a snow shovel to thoroughly clear a generous space where there is long grass or weeds cleared spaces are apt to become wet or muddy and are usually unsightly the trampling process is quicker much quicker if we have snowshoes it makes no unsightly patches and moreover the well-trodden snow forms the most pleasing background against which to see our feathered guests it is best to put out a day's supply of fresh food each morning the birds learn to connect our appearance with the coming of good things for them and gradually lose their fear of us moreover by putting out comparatively small quantities of food we avoid the danger of unnecessary waste when snowstorms come and cover up whatever is on the ground if there is danger from cats we should select for our feeding station a space well out in the open if there are shrubs or other tall plants about the cats will be able to creep up within leaping distance before the birds are aware of their presence this much we can do without any appliances and at no expense beyond the cost of the food but some of us will wish to make rather more elaborate preparations so i 
shall now describe some of the feeding devices which i have tried and found satisfactory for attracting birds to the home grounds the food tray one of the simplest devices is a food tray or lunch counter which any one can make if it can be said to need making it may be a shallow cigar box though this is rather small a better one could be made from a piece of board say a foot or eighteen inches wide and two or three feet long with laths or similar strips of wood nailed around to form a rim so that the seeds will not roll off a good-sized hole should be bored in each corner and over each on the under side of the tray should be tacked a piece of wire netting this will prevent the tray from becoming full of water when it rains such a tray with a stick below to brace it may be fastened to a tree to the window-sill or both and if a supply of food is kept in it all the time the birds are sure to find it if a roof is arranged over it it becomes a food shelter and will not require sweeping off after every snowstorm besides putting seed and other food in the tray itself we sometimes fasten to the tray an upright branch or small log and to this attach a piece of suet this is for the convenience of any woodpeckers which may come though it is not really necessary even for them the window-box few devices have given more satisfaction to members of our household than the window-box which was made from a sketch kindly sent to me by william dutcher president of the national association of audubon societies it is made to fit the open window the sash coming down snug into a groove in the woodwork at the top it projects into the room about a foot the top back and sides are of glass which helps to give the room a cheerful sunny appearance the floor of the box is of wood and in the form of a tray projects into the garden ten or twelve inches at the top and inside the room of course is a hinged lid through which we put the food and which can be used to ventilate the room when necessary this window-box has proved a great success and at different times i have seen it filled with blue jays pine grosbeaks red paws crossbills and chickadees while many other birds have come in smaller numbers at first we helped the birds to find it by erecting in the garden about ten feet from the window an old stump to which we tied big lumps of suet birds began to come to the stump and from there they would come to the feast arranged for them in the window-box the stump was then removed but the birds continued to come to the window in ever-increasing numbers some people prefer to have their window-boxes fastened to the window-sill but entirely outside the window this is almost as good but you can't have the birds quite so near and it is not quite so easy to put in the food on the other hand almost any one can make an outside window-box while one required to fit the sash of an open window well enough to keep out this draught must as a rule be made by a carpenter the weathercock food-house another device suggested to me by mr dutcher which has proved equally successful is what i have named the weathercock food-house because like a weathercock it moves with the wind it is little more than a well-made food shelter set on a pole and pivoted so that it can revolve horizontally two paddle-shaped arms or wings extend one on either side to catch the wind which thus turns the open side of the house away from the storms at all times the back is a single sheet of glass and sometimes the sides are also of glass all kinds of winter birds and a number of summer birds too come to this house and they don't mind the motion of it any more than we mind the motion of an express train when we're sitting in the dining-car after we have been attracting the birds for a little while every corner of the garden will have some interesting association connected with the work every device or appliance we have used will recall some delightful or amusing incident the mere mention of our weathercock reminds me of a joke it once helped me to play mrs baines had for some time been busy colouring a set of artificial birds made of cardboard which she intended to present to a school she had begun work on the blue jay and asked me if i could find for her a good picture of the bird from which she could sketch the markings of the wings 
i found several but they would not do chiefly because they showed the wings folded whereas the bird she was making had the wings extended at last i said jokingly well i see there is nothing for me to do but go out into the garden and catch you a live one with that i walked from her room into my study and looking out of the window saw a flock of blue jays feeding in the weathercock at that moment something startled them and out they flew all but one and he flew into the glass at the back then he lost his head and began fighting the glass and i opened the front door walked across the lawn and caught him spreading out one of his wings i went back into mrs baines's room and without a trace of a smile asked will this do you can imagine her astonishment better than i can describe it she made her notes on the markings of the wings then we put an aluminum band on the bird's leg and let him go it was exactly a month before we saw him feeding with other jays in the window-box the audubon food-house then mr frederick h kennard the landscape architect sent us a plan of a food-house which he had designed and found successful on his own estate at newton centre massachusetts it was an adaptation of a device invented by baron hans von berleptsch the great german bird-lover of whose interesting experiments i shall speak again later on as may be seen in the illustrations it consists of two food trays one above another the upper and larger being protected from the snow and rain by a four-sided hopper roof and from the wind by an apron of glass which falls from the roof the whole supported by a single rustic pole running to the peak we called this the audubon food house and it has been proved a success in half a dozen gardens in meriden and in hundreds of others in different parts of the country this food house should be erected among or near shrubs or beneath the low-growing branches of a tree at least it is in such a place that it will be most quickly discovered by the birds until the latter become acquainted with it food should be put in both trays the lower and unprotected tray is the more conspicuous and will of course be seen first when the food has gone from that or sometimes before it has gone some of the birds will find their way to the upper tray and the rest will soon follow after that no more food need be put in the lower tray in case the birds are a little slow in finding their way about one or two crooked twigs arranged so that they connect the two trays will usually show the little guests their way upstairs these twigs may be removed a few days later the glass apron in addition to serving as a protection from the wind admits light to enable the birds to see what they are doing and also permits the host to see his guests at dinner for several years now we have had an audubon food-house in our garden and during the winter there is a continual stream of birds going to and from that house our neighbors report similar experiences birds feeding in either this house or the weathercock would be in little danger from a cat even though the latter should climb the pole the cat would have to climb around over the under side of the food tray and while the birds would of course be frightened when her head came up over the rim they would have plenty of time to escape before she would be in a position to spring upon them several adaptations of the audubon food house may be made or purchased the most interesting perhaps being one which has a food hopper under the roof and connected with the upper tray to which it supplies seed as fast as the birds eat it the top of the roof is removable and half a bushel or more of seed can be poured in at once this is a very good style of house for people who cannot get out to replenish the food trays themselves or who go to the city in the winter and wish to be sure that the birds are fed while they are away but no matter what kind of feeding device is used by people who are away from their country homes during the winter it is nearly always possible to arrange to have a country neighbor replenish the food as it is needed the food bell the food bell is another device invented by von berlepsch and used especially for feeding titmice it consists of a glass receptacle holding a quart or two of hemp seed connected at the bottom with a tube down which the seed falls to supply a tiny food dish 
which is protected from the weather by a metal bell a foot in diameter from which it takes its name it can be fastened to trees piazza posts or the sides of windows by means of iron rods which are screwed into the wood above and below a piece of suet or a net bag of nut meats will serve to guide the birds to the food dish in the first instance we have given this device a long trial in meriden and find it very good for chickadees they fly up under the bell and carry off the hemp seed one at a time to some near perch each seed is held with the feet while the shell is cracked with the bill a recent visitor to the bird sanctuary at meriden was delighted to find that the chickadees came to the food bell quite unconcerned while she stood with her hand resting on the bell the food tree the food tree is simply an evergreen preferably a spruce fir or hemlock covered with bird food a discarded christmas tree will answer the purpose very well a growing tree should not be used as the following treatment will kill it there is no limit as to size though a rather small tree will be found more convenient in every way than a large one i generally select one about twelve feet high cut off all branches within two or three feet of the butt before setting it in the ground not too far from my window to get a good view of any bird visitors who may come this much may be done in the fall but beyond tying on a piece of suet or scattering a little seed at the base perhaps it is best not to go any farther until the coming of settled cool weather then there should be poured over the twigs and branches bubbling hot bird food made from the following recipe which is another contribution from baron hans von berlepsch white bread dried and ground four and a half ounces meat dried and ground three ounces hemp six ounces crushed hemp three ounces maw three ounces poppy flour two and a half ounces millet white three ounces oats one and a half ounces dried elderberries one and a half ounces sunflower seeds one and a half ounces ants eggs one and a half ounces to the total quantity of this dried food must be added about one and a half times as much beef or mutton suet or fat of almost any kind the fat must be melted and the dry food stirred in thoroughly this mixture bubbling hot should be poured carefully over all the twigs and branches of the evergreen care being taken to keep it well stirred up during the operation it may be poured with a long-handled ladle held in one hand and the drip can be caught in a frying-pan or something similar held in the other the cold air will quickly set the fat with all the good things it contains on the tree where both insectivorous and seed-eating birds will find it and each take what he likes best from the variety of food offered if there is any of the mixture left after the tree is covered it may be poured into moulds and when hard served as food cake or food stone in the trays or food houses it is not necessary to stick very closely to the recipe the ground dried beef the hemp seed and the bread crumbs should always be used and of course the fat is essential if certain of the other ingredients cannot readily be obtained they may be left out or other good foods such as nuts and pumpkin seeds ground or chopped may be substituted for them now a suggestion about preparing the meat the first time i made this food i dried the raw beef and attempted to grind it afterwards i found myself in trouble at once next time i found it very much easier to grind the fresh raw beef very fine in a meat grinder and then spread it out thin and dry it in a slow oven when dried in this way it may be readily crumbled and mixed with the other ingredients probably every woman knows this but the hint may be useful to men and children another way to use up a small quantity of the mixture is to pour it over a single detached branch of an evergreen and then fasten that branch to any tree in the garden a style of fruit tree very popular with children is one on which the food is hung as presents are hung on a christmas tree in fact it is sometimes called a bird's christmas tree this may be either a freshly cut tree stuck in the ground or almost any growing tree in the garden to the branches may be hung net 
bags filled with nuts or suet little chunks of bacon doughnuts and similar dainties or coconuts each with a good-sized hole in the side and stuffed with burlapsh food suet or any other food that packs well the stuffed coconut was suggested to me by dr a k fisher who fills the cavity with fresh pork fat and black walnut kernels and fastens the nut in a tree at his camp near washington chickadees tufted titmice nuthatches downy woodpeckers and juncos are among the birds he has had visit him some of them go right inside the nut after they have eaten all the food which can be reached without doing so the food trolley the food trolley is simply a food tray or a lunch counter provided with grooved wheels by means of which it can be made to glide along beneath a wire or wires stretched between some point in the garden and a higher point say an upper window at the house mr gilbert h trafton describes a moving food tray of this kind which he suspended from a single wire by means of two pulley wheels set in a frame this he found on the whole the most satisfactory device he has tried the author's food trolley which has been on duty in his garden for several years embodies the same general idea it consists of a food tray about eighteen inches square slung below two wires eighteen inches apart stretched taut at the same height between a second-story bedroom window-sill and a wooden bar nailed to a branch of an apple-tree at a point eight feet above the ground and about a hundred feet from the house four pulley-wheels are used one on each corner of the tray but the two nearer the house are screwed to short wooden pillars rising from the corresponding corners of the tray so that although the wires are on a slant the tray itself remains horizontal by means of the pulley-wheels two on each wire the tray glides easily back and forth it is drawn up to the window by a string and runs back down to the apple-tree by its own weight the chief use of the food trolley is to encourage shy birds to approach the house by easy stages the plan is this the tray is drawn up to the window filled with bird food and allowed to run back to the tree timid birds readily come to the tree and very soon learn to feed from the tray which they find there as soon as they begin to come freely the tray may be drawn up a few feet nearer the house it is best to do this late in the evening after the birds have finished feeding for the day and not having been frightened when they return in the morning they will not hesitate to venture the extra few feet in order to get their breakfast every day or two the tray may be drawn a little nearer the house until the birds find themselves feeding at the window when used for this purpose it is best to have no roof over the tray very timid birds are afraid of any device which seems to shut them in as for the snow it is easily brushed off when the tray is drawn up to the window later on of course if the trolley is to be used for feeding purposes only it will be an easy matter to construct a simple roof for it no doubt the reader will soon think of other methods and invent other devices for feeding the birds in winter but in the meantime those i have mentioned will serve all practical purposes do not be discouraged if the birds do not accept your invitations at once while sometimes they will come in almost immediately in many cases they will not do so for weeks or even months but keep food out all the time so that when they do come they will find a good reason why they should come again and bring their friends End of chapter seven